Hello and welcome to a new episode of Made of Things. This is a new episode, it is not an old episode, unless you're listening to this in the future. This is episode number 16, and it seems like it's been a lifetime. Well, it has not been a lifetime, but it's been a couple of weeks, which is a lifetime in podcast terms, especially for very short-lived podcasts. Welcome to everyone's favorite part of Made of Things, which is the intro. We've gotten literally dozens of millions of comments from all sorts of online creatures, such as the Fuzzies, the eBay Alloys, and the Walkie Daddies, who've come across with many, many invisible comments on iTunes and on Facebook as well. Twitter, though, not so much for invisible comments. So... Invisible tweets, I guess. So having reached number 16 on the episode count, we can now say, uh, so we will say it, that Made of Things is now in podcast high school. Remember how fun high school was? With all your friends being excessively aggressive and uh, you having to spend all your time alone so you could figure some stuff out? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't get much different over here in podcast terms. So podcast terms is a term on its own, I guess. Podcast terms change the whole game. Well, it honestly does get way better if you really want to, after the high school years and your teenage years, until it doesn't anymore. Listen, there's really no hope, apart from the one you have. Hmm. So, with this in mind, I should welcome everyone to everyone's favorite part of Major Things, which is the intro. So I've been mentioning that I have a Stuart Lee story for quite a while now, but I'm not going to talk about that this week yet again, as I feel like I should instead talk about something else first, because I now have a little cat story, and we have Dan Deacon on the show this week, and he had a song called Crystal Cat, and that's basically the only reason. So for the past month or so, I was a host of a tiny little kitty over here at my place. And that's a first for me, as I've always had smaller animals as pets. Since I was a kid, I've had turtles, guinea pigs, hamsters, even a chameleon, believe it or not. And this was back when it was legal to own a chameleon, you know, privately or publicly. (laughs) And uh, I was only eight years old, and I wouldn't have done it now, uh, especially after finding out how they really disappear within a week. Which isn't anything surprising for a chameleon, really. Um, So I always only had small animals, and this is mainly due to me being a city kid, and also having a handful of allergies when it comes to dogs and cats. So with these little animals, I found that all of them really passed away very quickly due to illnesses of all sorts. You know, I'm talking two years at best, you know, for a lifespan. And that was obviously painful, even heartbreaking, although I can only imagine what it feels like to lose a dog or a cat. This means that since the last animal I took care of, I stopped wanting to have a, shall we call it, uh, a pet. Putting to the side all the ethics of actually taking care of an animal and owning a pet, so to speak, it is essentially a lost cause if you're not talking about animals of a longer lifespan. And I find that this is akin to most uh, human relationships, uh, and those are great because most of them are meaningless. But you know, animals, they're so cute. So now I should welcome you to everyone's favorite part of Made of Things, which is the intro.
So I took in a little female kitty for about a month. She is called P. Uh, I did not name her. Uh, she is an adorable and beautiful black cat with bright yellow eyes. She is also a feral cat. And as a feral cat, having been collected at a local school where she initially grew up, she is extremely fearful. And this is why I'm telling you all of this, uh, as it is not uncommon for street cats not to be very engaging with humans, as many have been subject to various sorts of abuse. And then again, there's always cat Stockholm syndrome to consider. But this is a cat that took no less than eight hours to leave the bedroom and visit the bathroom. For the month and a half that she was at my place, she never really had any sort of curiosity to visit any parts of the house other than the bedroom and the bathroom, and she was pretty much content just sitting in a cardboard box instead of a fluffy pillow that we got for her. She also wouldn't allow petting or any close-range contact of any kind. In fact, it only took her about four weeks to even start to want to play. She seemed to be pretty much content just to stare back at you. People, we, we are talking about the most boring cat in existence. A beautiful, adorable, very young, but also very tedious cat. Also, she never really learned how to meow properly. Was It was more like a... And uh, this is as far as my imitation goes. And the only discernible sound that she made willingly seemed to be a sort of... Which I took to mean, don't touch me, I'm not into this, I just want to look back at you. It was nothing really aggressive, it was just like a... You know, she just pretty much froze and did this. But there was never really any threat of any kind, really. You could tell, you know, when cats aren't really... When cats are really pissed, you can tell. It's very dangerous. But this one was just like, you know, very short, very short sound producing and very short, you know, reaction, it seems. So, you know, I gave her away to her real owner now and she's gone from my place. But for a little while I was surprised at the fact that I was taking in a feral cat, which is something some very famous podcast hosts are known for. You know what I'm talking about, right? A certain double M person? You know, the overlap with a certain podcast host, which shall remain unnamed, is now starting to scare me a little. You know, apart from all the uh, mutual guests I have on the show, or we have on the show, I, ch I should say, um, you know, there's, I took, a, I, I took in a feral cat, and now I'm talking about the cat, and, uh, you know, next thing I know, I'm going to start burning bridges in the industry, or in the entertainment business, and be really into vinyl, and denim, and pots and pans, and broken relationships. That's that's happening already. And, um, you know, even maybe have my own TV show with my surname for a title. You know? Hmm? Maybe? Maybe? TV people? Hmm? The life of Antonio? Hmm? Anyone? No? At this point, I should welcome everyone to everyone's favorite part of Major Things, which is the intro. This week on the show, we have Dan Deacon. This guy is from Baltimore, and he came up on the scene as an electronic, 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 as an electronic music prodigy back in the mid to late 2000s. 
I have a friend in the U.S. and back then she turned me on to uh, Dan's music very early on and I had been wanting to meet and talk to Dan for a very long time now. This unfortunately never happened since I am based in Lisbon, Portugal and he never played here. So we got to talk at Primavera Sound in Porto earlier this year and it was unsurprisingly a lot of fun as the guy is connected to all sorts of comedy things, mainly his connection to Adult Swim stuff. So naturally, we talk about a lot of Adult Swim shorts and um, the stuff he's done with them, and you should really check out everything we mentioned during this episode. Try to listen with your iPads, you know, to this, to you know, and watch these shows uh, through your Mac Mac near your Boomrat. A little disclaimer, though, I couldn't really remember when I started listening to Dan Deacon while we were, you know, chatting away. So, you know, I think that, I think now that would have been 2009, maybe 2008. I'm pretty good with dates and names and faces and remembering things in general, which is unusual for a lot of people. But I guess that, you know, this just felt to me like it was, you know, longer than that that I had been listening to Dan for a long time now. I'm pretty good with dates and names and faces as well, and with, you know, remembering things in general, uh, which is something a lot of people can't relate to, I know. Uh, at least, you know, maybe they're being modest, I don't know. Maybe don't they don't want to sound creepy, you know, because when you remember everything. But, you know, I don't really have much, much of a choice, so I just remember stuff. And, um, you know, but this, uh, in, case, in the case of Dan Deacon's music, I guess it just felt to me like I had been listening to it for, you know, longer than what I mentioned. So, you know, things feeling longer than they are is maybe something that now you can relate to. And also, uh, if you wonder what happened when we talk about posture uh, a little into the episode, um, you know, go check out the picture on the Made of Things website, as I feel that it really speaks for itself, and you should really check that out. So please feel welcome to everyone's favorite part of Made of Things, which is the intro, and enjoy my conversation with the awesome Dan Deacon. But oddly enough, lit for us. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird. Should I move back? No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I actually pulled this because uh, gives some depth per- sure. uh, perception and stuff. Uh, nice socks, dude. Thank you. There's a team over here in Porto which has an, uh, a soccer team called Boa Vista. They have, uh, even though I'm from Lisbon, they have uh, a sec- uh, the alternative uh, kit uh, has that color. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, <laughs> it actually ties in with the, your presence here in Porto. There Sounds wonderful. So there you go. Is that, is it your first time over here? As I don't recall, uh, third. you pl- Oh, third. I played um, Primavera in 2013. Okay. And then once I played uh, another festival for the art museum uh-huh. in like a big park. 2009 uh-huh. with Gravy Train. I can't remember. 
what it was called. Okay. It was fine. Sure. Uh, over here at Porto, right? Yes. What about Lisbon, though? I've never been to Lisbon. Okay. I thought so, because I've heard, I've been listening to your stuff for 10 years now or something, or possibly even more. Uh, but not, uh, not more, unless you were uh, really deep in the game. No, no, I wasn't. So, I, this, so there is, no, 10, 10 or at least, uh, 8, 7. 8, 7. Okay, 10, 10 is too much. My first record came, like, got distributed in 2007. So, 8, 8. Oh, okay, 8, eight really? Yeah. No, I had the idea, I had the idea I was around, I was listening to, I heard, at least I had heard of you, you had put stuff out in 2006, right? 2007. Oh, uh, always I did, 2007. I did, but, but I didn't release anything, I just sold CDRs at like, okay, at sure. shows. No, no, then after 2007. Okay. Maybe Acorn Master, my first EP, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh-huh, I would uh-huh. be shocked if you heard Acorn Master. <laughs> no, no. But maybe uh, you did, well, I don't know. N- not at the time, no. Not at the time, uh, not at the time. Uh, but um, have you mastered the acorn after all this time? Uh, even more, has the, has the mastery grown? No, I've, I've, I've become an acorn amateur. Oh, really? Again. I used to like collect acorns and shuck them and like grind them down and make like milk out of them and drink the milk. Um, but I don't do that anymore. Okay. Uh, well, no, I lost my punk. I'm no longer punk. <laughs> no, you haven't though. <laughs> you haven't. You haven't. You're wearing the the, the socks that uh, you know c- color. I I don't remember anyone wearing. So you haven't lost your punk. I lost my acorn punk. Yes, yeah, sure. okay, yeah. okay, okay. Acorn punkage. Uh, but uh, um, so it's like uh, the you're like the Benjamin Button of acorns. <laughs> Yes, I'm the Benjamin Button of acorns. Okay, <laughs> that's a that's a shirt. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, what does it? What that's on the front. What does it say in the back? Um, I don't know, like a a really complex riddle. Oh, okay. So uh, makes you question your whole life. Is it just say that? Question your whole life. Oh, okay. <laughs> Question your whole life. What a, what a motto! Uh, this is a, this is playing Primavera. Uh, uh, I I I saw your show at Primavera and um, the uh, at in Barcelona, and uh, I've gone there for six years uh, in a row. Do you feel uh, it has a particular flair? The flair, this, the festival. It does. It's got a really good energy. You can tell that the people at the festival really want to be at the festival. I didn't go over to the. The main stages, the far away zone. Uh-huh. Um, it's pretty far, uh-huh. but I really feel like that the Ray Ban stage, and then like the ATP stage, and the Pitchfork stage, and the Vice stage. Is it still Vice? I can't remember. If Vice does uh, it anymore. Vice, I don't think they do it anymore. Well, those those stages. Ray Ban, Pitchfork, uh, and um, um, Adidas Originals now. Adidas yeah. I do wish that music didn't have to be so heavily branded. Yeah. Like if Woodstock had like. The Chevy stage or the Coca-Cola stage or the Budweiser stage, I think people would have been like, what the fuck? What? You know, culture shifts and sometimes it shifts in the wrong direction, but here we are. Uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. Do you think that like, artists should sponsor stages? The artists? Yeah, some artists sometimes. Because, you know, it happens with ATP with the, where someone curates, like Sonic Youth curates oh, I ATP. See, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I really like the curation of Primavera. I think they do a great job. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And a lot of, like, artist curation, while I think it's great, it's a lot of, like, my buddy should play. You know oh, what I mean? Sure. <laughs> so, uh, curation in between commas. It's a... Uh, uh, being a good curator okay. is a very, very difficult thing, uh-huh. and I think they do a great job of it. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Do you think you'd ever curate to a stage? Do you think that's in you? 
I used to book a festival in Baltimore for about five years, for exactly five years. See, I knew some, you know, it was, I could feel it, you know. <laughs> uh, I'd love to do it again. It was really fun. It's a lot, it's a lot of work, and, you know, we were like a... It was a DIY festival. It was no money was made. It was just lost. We might as well have, like gone to the beach and like dug a hole and like buried money and then like gotten drunk so we'd forget. Uh, it was something you you the thought something happened anyways, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, had some fake memories of things. Maybe, maybe they all are. Who knows? Uh, question your whole life. But yeah, it is. A, it is nice when a uh, question your whole life. I'm I'm the Benjamin Button of acorns. Exactly. Um, <laughs> this is really going in a direction. I didn't think it would. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, I'd lo- are you sure? I'll, I'll curate a stage. Just send me an email. Okay, okay, okay. Everybody send uh, send uh, emails to Dan for curating of stages. Yeah, just put a uh, question your whole life uh, festival stage. Exactly. Hashtag, hashtag question your whole life. Um, are you doing, um, sometimes uh, you play uh, in the middle of people uh, off stages, and uh, what about tonight? Because they're pretty much set the stages, so are you going to play in, bet- in between? people and or not nope no not at all uh when i play with other people like tonight i'm playing with the drummer jeremy hyman um i always play on the stage and i really enjoy playing on the stage at a larger show because i can communicate with the whole field like it's much easier to communicate with the people in the back of the room or the back of the field when we can all see each other do you know what i mean a small show on the floor is really fun But everything has its appropriate size or style or attire. And I like to push things to their outermost limits. But you have to realize sometimes you can't, you know, you don't put like a... I can't think of an example, but it's just, uh-huh. the stage makes sense. I understand how it evolved. Like, having not played on it for, like, most of my career, uh-huh. I can really appreciate it and understand how it evolved and why it existed. And I think a lot of times when, you're get, when you get started and you're playing, like, punk spaces or, like, places that don't have stages, stages seem to have, like, an authoritarian quality to them. It's like, I'm on a pedestal. And, but as long as you don't treat it like that and you understand that... It's just like any other part of the room. You can communicate it more effectively, I think. It just depends on the type of the performance and, again, the size of the audience and the size of the performance you're doing. You try to bring uh, people on stage? Like, uh, for instance, I've seen, I think, any, uh, all the fucked up uh, shows I've seen, the uh, fucked up the bands, and, well, you know, also the fucked up in general shows, but, <laughs> but, the, uh, but the band fucked up. They always try, seem to bring everyone up stage, uh, up on stage. Um, uh, have, you ever, have you ever done that? Uh, is it something you like to do? I used to do it quite a bit, um, but I'd rather keep the show in the audience okay. and do more performance in the audience. Like, to me, the, the, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, and I worry that, like, my articulation will be... Shitty. Uh, <laughs> But uh, this is explicit, so it's fine. Cool. Um, I, I think treating the the entire performance space where everyone is as the main performance area. Because the thing about dance music, like dance music, is a social thing. You go to watch other people dance and to dance with other people and to dance by yourself. You're not really going to watch something. But rock music culture is about. It's more theater. You're sitting there, you're standing there, and you're watching one thing. And I make dance music, but I don't make dance music you hear at a club. Do you know what I mean? So it's my whole goal is to get the audience to 
look at themselves more than they're looking at me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like to be the catalyst that starts creating situations where the audience goes from like a group of people who are all uh, just... Uh, strangers in a crowd to one big collective group that are doing something together and that they become the performers. And I think you can do that the best in the audience. Because in the audience, you bring a couple people up on stage, they're the only ones who can come up. But if you shift the whole performance to the floor, then the whole venue is the performance. Uh Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. You feel like uh, you as a performer are a mirror, so to speak. Like, this is you, the audience, this is you. Um, See yourselves. No, I never. <laughs> I think I had a much more, of a responsibility, maybe. I think about it more like, uh, like I'm I'm water and they're the plant, sure. and I water the plant, and then the plant grows with the water, and they turn the water into something else, and that bears fruit, and that it's a cycle, it's a feedback cycle. Okay. The audience. The audience and I are, in my mind, performing together. It's one group performance, and it's an improvisation every night, and that's what I like the most about it. Uh-huh. Speaking of improvisation and uh, a lot of gear that you use, have you uh, been using anything different recently? Any uh, anything you've uh, you've found or made yourself? No, everything I make is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> and like, since we fly so much, like self-made electronics aren't like uh, airport security's favorite things. Oh. So they always get fucked up. Oh. Um, so I try to use stuff that I can always have backups of because it's constantly getting smashed up and a lot of like MIDI controllers aren't really the most robust instruments on the planet. But uh, I'm using a lot of these um, modules by a company called Fader Fox that I really like. Okay. They're like a small MIDI controller company out of Berlin. Mm. And I just like oh. the way they look and the way they feel. That's what I'm using currently. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Um, I need to talk... Uh, this is rapidly... Um, we have... Uh, we're... Oh, no, we're at 10 minutes. Okay, sure, we have... You know, because our time is pretty much, you know, because we got a little, little bit delayed. Uh, and I'm losing, wasting time <laughs> just thinking about this. <laughs> but, you know, uh, okay, but uh, um, when I was done dying, it's uh, I love that video. Uh, how did that come about? When I was making the song, I had the idea for... Uh, God, I, need such, I have such terrible posture. Oh, no, um, I, I have a terrible posture. No. When I, was, when I was making the song... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I kept thinking. <laughs> I kept thinking about how every like uh, new section of the verse was like a new shift in consciousness for the narrator, and I kept thinking how it'd be fun to have a video where every um, you know 14 seconds or so, whenever the verse shifts, to have a new animator animate the video, and so it's like you'd have the same consistent sort of like narrative arc. Um, but a constantly different style every time. So I brought it to uh, Dave Hughes, who I've collaborated with on videos quite a bit. An amazing director, editor, visionary mind. And uh, he took the idea and made it a reality and really refined it and brought it not only into the world, but uh, into a new form that I couldn't have imagined it being. Those guys at Adult Swim are quite brilliant, aren't they? Like, it's, uh, they're, it's quite mind-blowing. I've, you know, isn't it? Do you do you, do you agree? I, I do. I especially the show Off the Air. That's oh. Dave's show, and it's oh. it's really worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Oh, it's it's a really really incredible. Oh. It's just. Like, every show has a very broad theme, like mm-hmm. hair. Um, I mean, only that one where, you're, uh, where your video is. I, I really suggest checking it out. Off the air. Uh-huh, okay, okay. Quite good. 
Okay. What about what's your favorite show on Adult Swim? Because I've been watching their shows for a long time now. I'm not going to say 10 years because apparently that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> But it is like 2005, I think. Yeah. I'm going to stick with Off the Air. Oh, okay, cool, cool. That's great. Or maybe a unedited footage of a bear. Uh, But I contributed music oh, to that. Oh, I so. love that. Okay, that's so cool. I can't really, that's kind of cheating. I guess I contributed music to Off the Air, too. But uh -huh, uh -huh. I like those the best. Those, are the, those series with uh, Too Many Cooks and stuff like that is mind-blowing, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> too Many Cooks. Space Ghosts, too, like back in the day, like Absolutely. really, really yeah. beautiful thing. Yes. I mean, I think yes. that was so important to like young weirdos to like watch that and like it'd be on super late and you'd be like unlike anything you've ever seen and it was like what the hell is this and it's important when you're young to like discover something weird to know that like you can think differently and do things differently and that it isn't just like a neatly set out table of food you can also make something else and do something weird with it uh -huh. okay okay like I'm, I'm only uh, I'm only like a month uh, older than you uh, but um, and we never uh, so I, we're the same age and I feel the same way mm -hmm. uh, absolutely and because uh, I, I grew up on Ren and Stimpy and on uh, mostly Ren and Stimpy yeah, yeah. Beavis and Butthead Beavis and Butthead sure absolutely and uh, so that, that hit me hard Those, those, and I had to download them because we didn't have any. Uh, really? Yeah, we didn't, ha never had uh, Adult Swim, nor, nor even satellite uh, access or cable access or whatever. Uh, we, uh, we had, I had to download those things. Uh, so it was an effort back then. It was really very poor quality. Oh, I'm sure. You know, uh, like still, even with the Brack episodes and stuff like uh -huh. uh, C Lab and stuff like that, yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. very, very, very poor quality. Uh, quality. The golden age of the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yes, yes. Um, this is also goes on a podcast called Made of Things, and I've been asking, you know, it's based on the principle that uh, you've dedicated, de as an artist, you've been dedicating yourself to art and to your expression. Also because, uh, or mostly... Something must have triggered that, I guess, right? Like you heard something, or 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 uh, or watched something that that made your brain go boom. I need to 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 do this forever and dedicate myself to this. Um, did it hap that happen to you uh, with any record or something? And when what what was that trigger? I don't know. I don't know if it did. I think it was a really gradual shift into realizing like that music was my my hobby and my passion, and I really liked doing it. Oh. I was going to school. Uh, in university and just studying like nothing like just mm -hmm. going to college wasting my life and but in all my free time I was writing computer music just for fun and uh, eventually some friends were like why don't you study music why don't you go into the music program like what's wrong with you um, and so I did and then I didn't know what I would do I was like ah, I don't have any idea like I was studying like composition like writing like string quartets and pieces like solo flute and shit yeah. And then in my spare time, I was writing all this like weird dance music, but like not doing anything with it. Um, but I loved throwing parties. And then uh, a friend was like, my, "Our band's going on tour. Do you want to come?" And I was like, "Sure. Sounds great." <laughs> and I, I didn't really know what that would mean or entail. And uh, uh, I fell in love with it. And I just, I just started thinking. I just graduated, and I was like living in Baltimore. I just moved there, and. I had no money and I had no like no ID card, no cell phone, no bank account, zero savings. I was living in like a warehouse space and I was like if I can just make $200 a month, I can pay my rent and I can dumpster dive food and I can keep making music. 
So I just started figuring out, like, I'll just tour. And I'll do, like, 10 shows a month. And if I make 30 bucks a day, I will have extra money. And uh, I don't know. It just started happening. Cool. That's funny because uh, I, I come from that spot in terms of, well, I, I, I don't have a musical, musical career. But uh, some people seem to really agree with what I'm saying with the whole thing. Like, oh, I listen to that and I need to do this. And so other people, uh, there's a surprisingly um, uh, uh, big amount of, uh, surprisingly large amount of people who uh, who seem who seem to to just uh, have gotten into it uh, organically, like yourself. Yeah, so I, I see it as more of a gradient of like, I got into this aspect of music and then this aspect of music and then this aspect of music, and like, I don't know what my career will be like in. I don't know, a year or 10 years or 25 years. I know I'll always be making music. I don't know if I'll be making it for money or for love or for both. But uh, I, I don't think I'll be able to stop. You know, I mean, unless I go deaf, which I probably will. But it will still always involve cats, kittens, and stuff like that. It's never involved cats or kittens. No, it was Crystal Cat, at least. Yeah, I guess so, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, uh, we're, we're 50-50 on that one. We're, sure. We're, we're good, though. Yes. Yes, thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks oh, for no your problem. time. Thanks for your time. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to rush into the, to the uh, ride interview. I would have uh, stayed uh, and oh, talked no, to you. Um, talk, talk to you for uh, all day. Uh, I mean, for the future. I'm so tired, dude, because I was up until 7 a.m. last night. Twix. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> This is the... Um, sponsored Dandy, by Twix. Sponsored by Twix and the Dan Deacon stage. Uh, Twix stage. Twix stage, yeah. Uh, A.K.A. Twix. Uh, I'm sorry, I need to... <laughs> <laughs> This is nothing. Uh, actually, a friend of mine from Detroit, uh, her name is Randy. She got me into your music. That's sure. why I got in early. But it was like, you're right. It was like 2008. Probably yeah. seven or eight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Randy. Thank you. There you go. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Thanks, man. That was, that, that, that was great. That was Thanks, great. Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. Lots, lots of fun. Welcome to everyone's favorite part of Made of Things, which is the intro. Question your whole life, all the time. Do nothing else. I hope you enjoyed the talk I had with Dan, as it was certainly fun for us. And, uh, you know, by the end of it, he gave me a Twix bar, which is something more tangible than most interviews. So, please follow us on Twitter at Made of Things Pod, uh, Instagram at Made of Things, and don't forget that you can download all the episodes at Made of Things Pod on WordPress. But the most important thing is that you should try to be a good person at all times. Oh yeah, and also subscribe on iTunes as well. So, much like Marie Antoinette never suggested, take a cake everyone, see you next week! Music